Good morning and welcome to Young Bucks, your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast of choice here on GK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Jared Pugar. I'm Alex Stone. Jared, how are you doing, man? I'm some pretty good. You know, it's a it's a nice Saturday morning. Uh, you know, we're recording this before Saturday morning, but I'm sure it's going to be wet, uh, as the forecast has said. So that's that's going to be excellent. And when it's when it rains, it pours, and that kind of sums up the Pirates organization in a nutshell this week. Yeah. Before we get going, I I feel like every single week we reference that we're not recording that this isn't live. Like I know nobody thinks that a podcast is live, but you know, they they like the illusion maybe of like, oh, it's it's radio. This is an actual conversation going on right now, as opposed to this was an actual conversation that happened, you know, late Thursday night or Friday afternoon. Yes, it's always good to be honest with our constituents and our listeners. Uh, I feel, but. But yeah, and that's kind of the beauty of the podcast, right? We get to record when we can, and then it goes up, and we we do our thing, and people get to listen to our lovely voices every once in a while, and and here we are. So, there. I don't have a good transition this week. We're just jumping right in after. It's the first time for everything, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fumbling the bag on this one, but I want to talk about Indianapolis because. Uh, Will Craig kind of made a name for himself on Thursday, but not really touching on that in a little bit because it's not just him that's from Indianapolis who's in the majors right now. Uh, at the time of recording this, Cole Tucker is still up in the major leagues. Nick Mears is still up in the major leagues. I want to give myself a little wiggle room there in case the Pirates have a transaction uh, planned for Friday before the game. There is a lot of Indianapolis's higher ranking people, more recognizable names in Pittsburgh right now. And if they're not in Pittsburgh, they're on the injured list. Travis Swaggerty was placed on the 60 day IL with his dislocated right shoulder. And man, if you want to look, read the tea leaves on that one, that does not bode well for his 2021 season. That might be it. He's considering surgical and non-surgical options. I can't imagine Either one of them would – I mean, season ends in, what, three months and change? That's not particularly long in general. So he's on the shelf. Jared Oliva with his oblique strain, he is still on the shelf. I mean, there's Cabrian Hayes. He's rehabbing. There's Chad Cool. There is rehabbing. But take away those rehab assignments. This was actually brought up in an in-the-system comment recently – who should we be watching in Indianapolis right now besides the guys who are on the rehab assignments? I, James Marvel. Cody Ponce is back. Bo Sulcer. I, there aren't very many names in it's Indianapolis Ponce. that pop off the, the pop off the roster to me. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But back to Swaggerty, if you're Yehuri. Yes, Yehuri is obviously the he was my guy, I think, that I would watch the most in in triple A. Um, but you know, back to Swaggerty's injury, that he's gonna be on the shelf for a while. When you dislocate your shoulder, there's a lot of instability there. That's essentially a labral tear in it, uh, 
I'm not a doctor yet, nor will I ever be, but maybe someday, I don't know. But coming from experience, that's most likely going to be a, a labral tear. And there's going to be some sort of surgery that I think that he'll need, which is going to put him on the shelf for four to six months, which will get him back in time for spring training if he does it soon enough. But that, but you're right. There really isn't many, there really aren't many people to watch in India at the, at the moment now that, that he's out. And of course, to Brian Hayes and his rehab, I think is, is great too, but there really isn't much to, to write home about in Indianapolis. No, like the people who are worth paying attention in Indianapolis are the people who have either already been in the major leagues or are very soon going to establish themselves as permanent major leaguers with the parts. So we're talking like Hayes and Cole or your hurray in, in like Ponce, if we want to throw that guy in, into that tier as well. But I just I'm looking at the roster here. And Jared, there are eight people in Indianapolis. And I get this. I'm, before I finish that thought, I'm going to preface this with saying we know AAA is usually more of a reserves of like who's close to being in the major leagues or just depth in the major leagues in general. And most of the team's top prospects are in Altoona or Bradenton or Greensboro. We get that. But there are eight players in Indianapolis right now who have either been designated for a summit or non-tendered by the Pirates in the past. We're talking Troy Stokes Jr. twice, Kevin Kramer, Dustin Fowler, Anthony Alford, Hunter Owen, Andrew Susak, <laughs> uh, uh, Tyler Bachelor, and James Marvel. <laughs> the best part about those is most of them were outfielders. Half of them were outfielders. I mean, we, we what is this organization doing with outfielders right now? If they knew or had any outfielders, they would we would know. I mean, Odell Cruz is still playing shortstop. You see him shagging any fly balls, Nell Tuna during warm-ups or anything. I did actually, but that's just normal. <laughs> he, he took yeah. so, and it was in the, with his infield glove. Um, he did hit a homer tonight. I did uh, see talking that. about O'Neill Cruz, a three-one, three-run shot, which is good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what else they want us to say about Indianapolis. I think um, Esposito and Nunnally and Hanrahan, I think, are doing a great job. I think it's oh, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of like the 2019. Well, what would have been the 2020 Altoona Curve team? They would not have looked good on paper. They would not have, and even the 2019 team under Mike Ryan. They, the most impressive thing, and I, and I know I wrote a story about this that summer, was the coaching staff between – at that point, it was Michael Ryan. Now it's Ryan Esposito. But you've got Espo. You've got uh, Nunnally and Hanrahan. And, and Hanrahan's quickly ascending up the ladder um, to, to – uh, he'll be in the majors coaching – or being as a pitching coach here within the next three years, I would imagine. And then Nunnally's already coached in the majors. So right now, to me, outside of Yehure and a couple other guys, the coaching staff is the most impressive group in Indianapolis. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Hanrahan in the next, in the next segment that we have planned here. But, yeah, it, it's a good group, and it's 
just not a particularly exciting group of players. And yeah, part of Indianapolis, you it's called a 40-man roster for a reason. You're going to have a handful of players who are just on the roster and who are depth. Either they're not ready or they're just, you know, that type of pitcher that goes up and bounces between the bullpen and the major leagues mm-hmm. in Indianapolis all season long. There are going to be a couple people like that. They're really until until Cruz presumably gets his call to Indianapolis. Until something happens, where like you know what we're gonna give Shea Spitzbarth a look, and I, I I say that not thinking that Shea Spitzbarth is going to set the world on fire, other than you know just like he's got some tools, he could maybe pitch at the major leagues one day. It's just not a very inspiring group. We'll see it look different towards the end of the season. Definitely in 2022, whenever a lot of that curve team takes that next step. This is kind of like the last glimpse, though, of of the Neil Huntington farm system. I think that's fair to say. Because a lot of those guys who are prospects under Neil Huntington are either not prospects and have fizzled out. They're either in the major leagues or they're in Indianapolis. And I feel like you look at Indianapolis and that's still kind of the old regime at work. No, and that's below, I, below that, not saying that there aren't Neil Huntington draft picks or people that they acquired in Altoona or lower, but a lot of those are the Charrington guys. I think that's no, a absolutely. fair line of demarcation. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh that's completely accurate. And and you know what, that's going to happen. We knew this is going to happen. There was going to be that little holdover, that little crossover between the two regimes. And this is what we get. And you know, with the log jam in the infield at the major league level, the lack of outfielders throughout the organization, um, unless they're DFA'd, I think the, the I think the Pirates lead the league in DFAing outfielders this year. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. But that's AAA, right? We're not AAA is exciting when there's guys like Brian Hayes that are knocking on that door. When like <laughs> when Cole Tucker was there. And you're like, okay, well, we want to see this kid in Pittsburgh. But now it's who is there that, that can wow us, right? Cabrian Hayes will be the biggest one, and he's just there in a rehab assignment. Yeah, I, I think you put that very well with like, who's going to wow us. And right now, there really isn't anyone. Thanks, we'll Alex. We'll that was so nice of you. Yeah, you know, I, I can dish out the compliment every once in a while. The first time for everything. Yeah. You know what else I could dish out? Heading into the break? Yeah, like throwing us to commercial. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Young Bucks here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Fighting every single time, not to say DK Sports Radio. That's been ingrained into my brain now. No, we're, we're embracing the podcast angle of it now. He's Jerry Pruger. I am Alex Dunford. We are talking about someone that finally, finally bled on Tuesday night. He's not immortal. He's not Superman. He is Ronzi Contreras, who his first handful of starts was just untouchable completely unequivocally 
untouchable. And he had a bad outing. Jared, you talked to him recently. I, I Before we get going further on, let's just start off with that. You talked to him this week. Check in next week for a feature Jared has on him, but let's let's just get a little insight from him. No, you're right. So uh, I spoke with him Thursday before the game, uh, before their game, and you know, it's important to note that that this loss is not a bad thing. You want to talk about development and wins and losses are what they are, right? They're numbers in a column. They don't really tell the full story, but. Contreras's mindset, you know, speaking with him before the game on Thursday was good. He was upbeat. He was, he's a competitor, man. And that's what you want in a, you want a bulldog type. Like when I think of a, like a competitor, I think of a guy like a Joe Musgrove and I think Contreras fits that mold as far as com, his compete level, because he's like, I want to go out there and compete each and every day. And I want to get better each day. His goal is to get to the majors this year. That's, where from where we were at beginning of the season to to now yeah that's a great goal to have for him and i think it's feasible if if things kind of aligned up because we talked about that today or on or i'm sorry on thursday where he's he's trying to get to 200 innings in altoona and or between altoona and indy and then and then get to get to the majors and i think he's got this stuff but like we talked about having that lack of success is a good thing getting hit around is good it's about that adversity. You can't go out there and, you know, you six strikeouts, you throw five innings, six innings, seven innings. You're not challenged. But being behind, throwing while you're losing, throwing, getting up and elevating your pitch count early in the game, you know, really gritting things out. And he was able to do that. Now, you know, some of those runs weren't necessarily on him per se, but not having success isn't always a bad thing in situations like this no no and that's actually something that i taught i put this in insider recently um i chatted with joe hanrahan about those kids he's like look we we the pirates obviously did a lot of research on Contreras to bring him into the system they wouldn't have made the trade if they didn't but there is a little of unknown you're still getting to know this guy and he said one of the things that he was kind of looking for out of him was like have that bad inning see how you respond and he cited uh another altoona pitcher max Cranick, is someone who his second start of the year he had a bad inning to start off and then he pitched like what four or five perfect after that or he put on like one base runner like it that's what you want to see it's like whenever you have to make those adjustments whenever you have to sit on the bench doing like Man, I put my team behind the eight ball. I can't let it get any worse than it is right now. This is going to be an interesting bounce back for Contreras. You know, if he does have that big start, you know, being able to wipe the last one, it's it's going to definitely do a lot for the just get him to Indianapolis because I'm I'm still in that camp. This guy, that first start I saw from him, that's the only one I've been able to see in person so far from him, but. It was great. And not just because he struck out 11 guys, but because he was using all of his pitches and he was throwing them where the catcher set the target and the hitters still couldn't hit it. And there were times whenever he would have, you know, these big curveballs with 3000 RPMs of spin and they would drop perfectly right on the low inside corner where the catcher had, you know, his mitt set up. And it's like, 
that's what you want to see more than anything. I mean, it's one thing if he's throwing a high-spin curveball and guys are chasing it in the dirt because they've never seen a high-spin curveball before. It's another whenever you can use the zone effectively. So, yes, he got hit. As Jared said, as Joel Hanrahan said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. See how he responds going from there. No, absolutely, and I think that's huge. That's, you know, we talk about that all the time. We talk about the mental game, right? We talk about the mental game of baseball. That's the hardest to learn, no matter what level, from little league to high school to college to professional. And when you're able to learn that, and and talking with Contreras today, obviously, you know, it's my first opportunity to speak with him uh, via translator. Um, But I am very impressed with his mental makeup. This dude, like I said, he's a bulldog. He's going to go out and compete. He's going to give you five innings, even if he struggles. I don't foresee him having a lot of struggles. But also, this Erie team is pretty good. They got some good headers. They can smack the ball around a little bit. They're an experienced team. But, you know, adversity, man. How are you going to handle it? Can you overcome it? So I'm excited to see what he's able to do uh, when he comes back out on Tuesday. He, I'm going to phrase this as a question and see if you come up with a similar answer to me or if I'm just going crazy here. Did he remind you of a former Pirates prospect on the mound? Just not stuff-wise, just demeanor. Possibly. Who were you thinking? He kind of, I'm just comparing to whenever I saw him pitch in Altoona a long time ago, you know, almost a decade ago, but I see John a Van little Scott? Derek Cole. Oh. John Van Van Scouten, baby! That's who we're and talking actually, about. We're talking about Sean Burnett. I like that. Now, I was not in Altoona living when Garrett Cole was here. Our times kind of didn't, um, didn't kind of re- correlate here. But, no, that's a really good – I think that's a really fair comparison. And they've got kind of similar, you know, makeups. And, and Garrett Cole was a bulldog. And, and that's, that's what they need. That's what they need, that guy. Listen, I love Mitch Keller as a, as a baseball player. I've watched him have a lot of success um, at the double-A level. He's not a guy that's a bulldog-type player. And that's no knock on him. You're, and that's okay, right? You don't need to always be a bulldog. Right. Right. He's, he's very much, he is a very mellow dude. He's chill. He's eh, as far as like, never up, never down, but that, but when he was in Altoona, obviously that confidence is there. And that's the other thing that I noticed from Contreras today, that dude's got all the confidence, the moxie in the world. That's going to make him uh, what could be a, a great, uh, a great pitcher someday. Yeah. Well, also at the 98 mile per hour fastball with the, and the change up that he can put on the black of the strike zone and the 3000 RPM curve. There are a lot of things to like about that too. Yeah. There's, there's just a whole lot to like about him. He got hit hard once. Let's see how he responds. I would still like to see him in Indianapolis sooner rather than later. Hanrahan told me that he's asking about him and, and Kranich also like, Hey, when am I going to get these guys up in the major leagues? 
you know what, that would really re- render this first segment moot whenever Contreras and Kranich get up there. That might be my my next question, Miguel Perez. How annoying is it when Jill Hanrahan texts you about uh, Contreras every day? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we're going to take one more break. We got one more segment. We We got one more segment of the show left to do. Jared, I don't know how to preface this. If you want to just make it, you know, someone who's impressed us this past week, he's someone we just want to talk about in general. I, I kind of want to talk about Mike Helisato. By all means, he the hit floor that grand slam and he hit that grand slam, and we're seeing that raw power start to translate. The thing that's really it's surprising me even more so is the patience at the plate and the walks and like OBP was, is close to 500 right now. And a lot of that is because he's taking his free passes and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, really look into stolen bases in Bradenton right now because the pickoff rolls have just absolutely <laughs> decimated poor young catchers and pitchers down there. But yeah, as, as the fourth player, I, I feel like, it's weird to, you know, rank the players that the Pirates got in a trade. But in his case, I think he was that the headliners of those trade of that trade was obviously Contreras and Yehure. Mm-hmm. And then Smith Nujigba was, you know, the more established prospect. This guy was, you know, he was the wild card in it all. And not to overreact to a couple weeks of, you know, ball in low A, but he's handled that transition stateside very well. And I'm Going back to whenever Eric Longenhagen of, of Fangraphs before last year, before COVID shut everything down, said like, hey, this guy might be end up being a top 100 prospect. Haven't seen anything that really is like, what was what he thinking? This guy could never be top 100. I'm kind of seeing it right now, especially yeah. if he could tap into the raw power a little more. No, he's, he's, playing, he's playing very well right now for, uh, the, uh, for Bradenton, and that's huge. Um, so yeah, can he continue to develop? I think that's, but he's slowly starting to turn some heads in the organization. I think that's, that's exactly the type of, of effort and opportunity that you need, um, you know, at that level, that's that's a high A or I'm sorry, low A is, is where you want to start turning some heads. Hey, all right, well now I'm starting to get a little bit more impressive. And then you go obviously to Greensboro and, and keep turning heads and then double A by then, you know, you just got to adapt. And if you can adapt, then you're, you're well on your way to, to keeping those heads turned and, and getting one step closer to, to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And he's turning 19 next week. Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like him, him and Mojica, I would love to see do home run derby. I think Mojica would end up winning. Oh, that'd be kind of entertaining. 19 years old. What were you doing when you were 19, Alex? Whenever I was 19... Let's see. I was still in college. I was stringing phones, taking high school scores. I don't think I had like a, a real job or internship. I didn't have like a real job or internship at that point. Um, just kidding. 19, I was right off my first year of college. 
at Robert Morris. We don't need to talk about that university this week. Um, yeah, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> don't get me started, Alex. We'll be up until sunrise. But I was at 19, I definitely wasn't playing in high A. Um, yeah. But I was working at Lake Mont Park, um, running the Skyliner roller coaster at times that, that you can see in right field at the curve. Um, but speaking of the curve, uh, my guy is, is Brent Sitta. And he is currently with his uh, with a home run Thursday night. Um, at the time of this recording, he's in an eight-game hit streak. Um, you know, four extra base hits, six runs batted in, um, going into Friday's game. Uh, that, you know, that's impressive to me. When you can, when you can string together performances like that, because he's got four extra base hits, six run and six RBIs. That that to me is huge. Um, you know, as, as Altuna continues to have some pretty good success. Yeah, um, I'm not going to pretend I know Sita as well as you do. He's he's not as as high a ranking prospect, but like right. we painfully brought up, there are opportunities for outfielders in this group right now. And like you said, Sita is absolutely crushing the baseball right now. Like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm just, you know, scouting a stat line here, but I'm scouting a stat line here, and he's hitting 385 with an OPS over 1,000 so far. Yeah. Like, that's good. Let's, let's see what he could do from here. Right, this is, absolutely. He's going to be turning 25 this year, right? Yeah, I read that right. 25, you know, in July. It's a make or break here for him. I, I feel like, you know, double A, this is where you see a lot of guys who maybe you didn't think were going to be real big prospects make a name for himself. I'm not saying like Hunter Rowan is, you know, the go-to example for this, but he was someone who in Altoona really established himself, got a cup of coffee in the major leagues, and, you know, he's still in the mix in Indianapolis. We could see him again. No, absolutely. And this is a guy that was drafted in the 38th round for the Pirates in 2018. Like, <laughs> That's absurd to me, number one. But number two, if yeah, if he can keep playing and keep putting putting uh, performances like this together, I think that's that's good. Now, before we we end the torture of listening to us drone on about Pirates prospects, there is one um, story this week that I think caught our eye that we haven't really been able to talk about much, and it's Brennan Malone and his status. Oh yeah, um, uh, in his development. Yeah, yeah, he's been. Uh sent back to what will effectively be the GCL Pirates instead of sticking around in Bradenton. I don't know. He, it, it was an injury. It's not like anything was horribly wrong. It's just, well, pushed him a little bit. Maybe they pushed him a little too hard. He's a first-round pick. He's a former high, former high schooler. <laughs> he was drafted out of high school for, you know, to go into the draft, missed a year of real professional ball just the instructional league, don't push them too hard. Like, I, I know I'm the guy who's, you know, pushed the prospects a little bit. He's in that demographic of, no, make sure everything's right. We'll see him back in Bradenton before the end of the year. Right, and this is something that we pre- we talked about. This or- or this organization now and this, this front office is really, really cognizant of development over everything. So they're going to be cautious with a guy like Malone. They're going to, it's not, this isn't a kiss of death for him and his development. This is just kind of a reset button, more or less. 
and and this is not going to be the first time that something like this happens um but it's the first time that somebody of that magnitude is well we're going to hit this reset button get him back to where he needs to be uh from a fundamental standpoint from a mindset standpoint and then go from there and and see where it takes us there's a lot riding on him Parth can't afford to screw it up with him he's half of the or one third i also count solomon mcguire one third of the sterling mark to return i thought you were gonna say solomon torres and i was gonna be like solomon torres is back with john john ben ben scouting and and sean burnett and brian meadows and brian bowringer bringing the band back together baby making the 2000s pirates were the best 2003 to 2005 Pirates are being reincarnate. They are going to capture your heart and win 67 games. <laughs> the only thing missing is a Marty Brown, the original curve manager. Well, if you want to talk about some name drops, that was. That's I, I didn't know any curve original curve members had names besides Adam Heist. Adam Heist, you. Peace out to the legend. Um, but yes, <laughs> there are more there are more curved players than just Adam Hyes do, John Vamridge Sean Burnett, Niger Morgan. The list goes on and on over the 20 plus years that the curve has been in existence. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna roll out the show to say goodbye, and you're gonna just list off random curve players, whatever I do it. All right, let's do this. Three, two, one thank you so much for listening to Adam the pirates young bucks your pittsburgh pirates uh prospect podcast of choice if you haven't already i thought he was gonna have one right there if you haven't already no, be sure to time. subscribe to the dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network feed wherever you get your podcast this is really falling off the rails so we're gonna call it off here you know what we have to offer you know it's good stuff for jerry Kruger. My name is Alex Stone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.